Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. My guest for the program today is Jamie Shira, a co-founder of the Hunter Recruitment Project. Jamie is a serial entrepreneur. He is an avid hunter, mentor, and he and his two co-founders opened their arms to me and a handful of women back in October for Hunter Recruitment Project 9, which is the ninth hunt that they've done to foster a love of hunting, bring back lapsed hunters, lure in new hunters. And I got to experience the joys of this hunt and befriend a lot of people, Jamie included, at his family farm in South Georgia near Americas. And it was really wonderful. And I wanted to pick Jamie's brain and have him talk about his organization, how they're really taking recruitment, retention, reactivation, R3, to the fullest extent, not just talking about it, but actually doing something about it. And I think you guys will really like what he has to say. His backstory is really fascinating. And his group is definitely worth supporting. So if you want to support Jamie and his group, Definitely encourage you to do so, and I think this episode will inspire you to support his cause, get involved, and also get inspired to introduce new people to hunting. So here's my conversation with Jamie Shira of the Hunter Recruitment Project. Thanks so much for joining the podcast, Jamie. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, great to talk to you as well. What led you to get involved in hunting and talk about your background? So um, I grew up in South Georgia in the middle of nowhere. Um, our closest like major grocery chain was like 45 minutes away. So I guess you could say I was pretty much born into the outdoor industry. Um, my parents were, dad was a farmer, mom was a teacher and, uh, great. My dad was a, I, I guess forever. Our family were farmers. Um, my grandfather, great grandfather and his father were all farmers. So I guess as far as I, I know back fifth generation, um, and during that time, um, you know, I spent my whole life kind of when the sun came up, my mom kicked us outdoors and we couldn't come back inside until the sun went down. And, um, so kind of spent my whole life outdoors and in the woods and building forts and climbing trees and trying not to break bones and all that good stuff that happens. But, um, yeah, so when I was probably, I guess going into middle school, um, my dad started a, uh, quail plantation and my grandfather was always a huge quail hunter, loved it. Wild birds only, um, always had a dog. Um, actually I'm fairly certain quail hunted with a German shepherd at one point. And, uh, you know, um, he, he just loved doing it and he passed that passion to my dad and my dad, uh, 
started a commercial quail plantation and uh, it was known as Charlene plantation. And now that has uh, uh, been sold and it's still in operations called Rio pH or plantation. Um, pretty well-known uh, quail preserve down in South Georgia. It's actually in Newton. Um, and so kind of spent my whole life outdoors and then transitioned into kind of the commercial side of it and taking people hunting and, um, you know, got a glimpse of what it was like to, to take people hunting at an early age, um, specifically people that had never really shot a gun before. And they come in and we teach them how to shoot the shotgun and we take them to the skeet range and they're shooting clays and, um, they hit one and it's like, Oh my God, like, wow. And then, you know, they go, uh, to hitting, uh, several more and then they're ready to go into the field and then they shoot, you know, at a few birds and they don't hit any and, Oh, I can't do this. And then they finally hit a bird and it's like, you know, that connection's made. Uh, and then you serve, you know, fried quail that night and, uh, the circle's kind of completed. Um, so that, that's really, you know, and, and I've just continued, you know, that's really kind of how I, I guess got into started and, and still am into, uh, the hunting industry. Uh, my background, uh, from work standpoint, um, I went to university of Georgia, graduated with a degree in economics, and then, uh, started a restaurant in 2010. So probably, uh, an ill decision, uh, at the time, at least we were told that by a bunch of people, uh, it's still in operation today. And, uh, we've got a portfolio of six restaurants and, um, I guess you could say I'm kind of an entrepreneur. We've got a construction company. We've got a wellness company. And uh, we've also got a uh, recently a firewood supply company. So uh, it's a busy time of the year for me. That's really cool about your entrepreneurial background. And which are the restaurants do you manage? I think some of my listeners may be familiar with them. Uh, so we're all in the Southeast. Uh, in Atlanta, we've got uh, the Ivy, which is a big sports bar. We've got the Family Dog, which is a little neighborhood pub. In Birmingham, we have what's called Uptown Cantina and a uh, place that's been there for about eight years now called The Southern. Uh, and they're both in a, in a new development called the Uptown District, which is right downtown Birmingham, which is an amazing city if you haven't been there. Um, and in Nashville on Broadway, we have um, what's called The Valentine. It's like four-story honky-tonk. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot one more place in Atlanta called Smoke Show. Um, so it's a barbecue spot. And um, in the process of getting all our documents uh, signed and completed for our third place in Birmingham as well. It's going to be in Mountain Brook. That's exciting. And while you're running these businesses in the restaurant business and outside of the restaurant business, you're also co-managing a nonprofit, which is how we connected a few months ago. And you invited me and a handful of other really impressive ladies to go hunting. We had different experience levels uh, through a project that you and two other guys started called the Hunter Recruitment Project. So talk about the genesis of the group, your mission statement, and what you guys hope to do before we go into the ladies' hunt. Yeah, for sure. So Baker Levitt, uh, Michael Heil, and uh, I all got together, uh, probably, I guess, four or five years now. We've, we've known each other for since 2010, so 12 years now uh, at least. Um, these guys are like brothers to me. Uh, we've hunted together, um, uh, in Baker and I've hunted together on three different continents. Um, it's always been something that again, being part of my life kind of from the beginning, um, those guys also have had the bug since they were little and just something that is is something that we find kind of pulls us together and pulls us out of our daily lives and really allows us to share some, you know, fellowship together and, 
and, and create memories that, that you never forget. And so, uh, probably four years ago, my dad had bought a new farm and we were developing it. And that's kind of what my dad does now. It's, uh, he still farms. Uh, he <laughs> quit farming and started farming again. He, he can't get it out of his blood, but, um, he develops kind of plantations track, uh, land for people looking for far, for uh, hunting tracks and stuff like that. So, um, we were working on this piece of property and I've always taken some new people hunting and to, to see that kind of reaction. Um, I think Baker's nephew had come down and shot his first deer. His, uh, girlfriend, uh, Melissa had come and shot, uh, a deer, you know, my wife, uh, now wife, girlfriend at the time, I taken and shot deer and a couple other friends and, and I've done it my whole life, but I guess that I've gotten older, um, there's a lot stronger emotional attachment to that and seeing people's reaction. Um, and it just kind of clicked. I actually went to an Everly stock event called out there in Idaho. And while it's not hunting, it's a lot of shooting and, and, and kind of outdoor activities and archery and just to see people, their, their switches flip. Um, it really, kind of caught something in my mind that was like, man, I need to figure out, you know, how can, how can we turn, um, this new, new piece of property into something that allows me to take, uh, people hunting at scale, quote unquote. And I say scale because it's kind of hard to scale, uh, hunting operation for multiple people. Um, but it gives us an opportunity to take, you know, anywhere from seven to 15 people hunting at a time. And we have what we like to call, at this new farm, a target rich environment. And, uh, there is a, an absolutely tremendous population of deer, um, on our piece of property. So one thing that we, we like to say we offer is, is kind of a hundred percent success rate. I mean, it's, it's, um, it is low pressure. It's simple. It's easy. It's fun. And that's really where we like to focus, you know, uh, the HRP hunts. Um, we just, it's fun. Hunting's fun and we want to keep it fun and we don't want to put pressure on people. And so, you know, we, we sat around the table three to four years ago and said, you know, let's, let's, let's put something together. Let's figure out, um, you know, how this can work and then, you know, see if it has legs. And we did our first event before we ever had a nonprofit, our first official event before we had a, uh, kind of everything organized and put together and we'd been doing it, you know, for years up to that point, but our first real HRP event, um, and it just blew up and it, all of us kind of in the recap meeting, we're sitting around like, okay, we've got something. So we need to really kind of run full speed towards this and figure out how we can, we can take it to the next level. You guys are doing kind of, um, recruitment retention reactivation kind of independently of like a game agency, but taking what they've set up, and using a nonprofit to properly execute it and bring new people or bring people who are kind of in the beginning stages or advanced beginner stages to, to kind right. of take them to the next level. So was it largely wanting to help increase the numbers of hunters because we had all had seen those postmortems or those kind of obituaries, the hunting is on its last legs, it's about to die, go extinct. Was it kind of propelled by that or again, more yeah. so about your interest of introducing people regardless of its status? Um, so originally it was regardless of the status of, of how many hunters there are or not, I, I knew, I knew how beneficial it could be. Um, Sitka made a film, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago that was about uh, a veteran that had started bow hunting and basically, you know, helping his PTSD by 
shooting his bow. Uh, and then that led into hunting and, and his, his kind of talk around that. Um, uh, one of the guys that black rifle went to Africa on a hunt with Baker and had the exact same kind of realization of like, Hey, this is the closest thing to deployment that had a positive outcome. Um, and so I knew like from those two kind of specific experiences and, and tons of other anecdotes I've heard throughout the years. And I said, Hey, like, I think, I think, you know, just looking kind of way society's getting more and more modernized and people are just sucked into their phone and attached. Like, how can I do something that somewhat counteracts that? Um, additionally at the time when we started this and especially when we were kind of formulating the idea, yeah, the reports of, you know, hunting is dying, blah, 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 blah. It, it really kind of was a, just another kind of pin, you know, in the hat of like, okay, like this, this does make sense. You know, since then there's been tons of reports coming out about the soaring amount of hunters and, and I'm happy for that. I, I think it's, you know, the more people we have into it, you know, the better. Um, one thing we really focus on though is, proper, you know, training and proper etiquette and proper gun safety and proper hunting safety, uh, and stuff like that. You know, most people are taught by a family member, um, or a really close family friend. Um, and some of the times that is not done the right way. Um, and you know, we want to make sure that we're super ethical, super safe, uh, super focused on doing things the right way you know, from a, from a very simple standpoint. Um, and so there's, but there's also a lot of people that don't have that person to teach them that don't have that person to take them that don't even have a gun range that don't have any idea where to start. And so if we can be a group that takes those people and puts them through the right, uh, training and puts them through the right, you know, informational sessions and stuff like that to give them a firm base to when they, so that then they can go to the YouTubes or they can go to the family friend or whatever, and use those additional resources to hunt. Like, I think that that's really, really our goal. I got to see it firsthand when you guys invited me down for HRP nine. And for me, I have always uh, kind of come from hunting a little removed from it. I wasn't ever opposed to it. And five years ago, I really got seriously into it and I consider myself an advanced beginner. So for me, yep. going to the hunt really wasn't a first time exposure. I've gotten one deer before, but I, it was new for me that I was successful kind of christening Baker's muzzle loader. Cause I had <laughs> kind of my, uh, back and forth with muzzle loaders. Cause the first time I ever went deer hunting was with a muzzle loader. My one mentor in Virginia put me on that. And it was a little intimidating as a platform to use for, for someone who has <laughs> never done it, sits in a blind and is expected to use it. So for me, it was initially intimidating. I started to practice target practice with muzzle loaders over the years. And then I think by the time I came down to you guys, I was a lot more confident and right before, uh, right before last sundown, I was able to execute the hunt and get the deer on the last day of muzzleloader season, which was a lot of fun on your family farm, of course. And so for me, it was not a new experience, but I loved seeing that my friend Cindy was able to get her first deer. And I know some of the other ladies too, that were in attendance, uh, Sydney, uh, got For her sure. first deer and a couple other, I think a good handful of the ladies got their first deer. So talk about why you wanted to have a women's only hunt, uh, for this most recent iteration of HRP nine. So, you know, I believe that, that, you know, that it, it people are going to be less, um, worried about, you know, each other and what they're doing when, when you're kind of all coming from the same boat. Right. And if you're kind of from the same level of experience and the same sex, it seems to be a little bit easier for everyone to listen. 
what I knew and, and was reaffirmed is that women are definitely much better listeners than men and, um, <laughs> definitely made it a lot easier. Like, you know, when you give, uh, you know, uh, kind of guidance on what to do. Like they're like, okay, yeah, sure. Like this, I don't know what I'm doing, so I should listen. And, and, you know, sometimes that doesn't follow through with, with men, but, uh, we, um, I've, I've been friends with, uh, Chris cook for quite three or four years now, just through going to archery events and kind of being connected to a lot of people in the outdoor industry, a lot of the same people in the outdoor industry. And Chris reached out to me, probably beginning of this year, um, and said, Hey, you know, I do, uh, and she has what's called the, the cook ranch in Julian, California, mm-hmm. and they have archery range. Um, they actually raise pigs, cooks pigs. And, uh, so they do butchering classes. Uh, she's added so many more things into what they do. Like there's homesteader classes, like how to make jams, how to put vegetables up, how to make bread, uh, like all kind of self-reliant angled um stuff which i think is hugely important in their skills that are uh definitely not being flexed and or used nearly as much and and we need to keep those things alive um but she reached out to me and said hey like you know i've got this women's group that comes through and we do women specific events you know i'd love to like figure out some way to work it into what you guys are doing and i was just like absolutely like no question uh love to have a, a a women's focused event um and that kind of was the birth of it. And it was, it was incredible. It was awesome. And and it's something that we'll probably continue to do every year specifically. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time and I made some lifelong friendships from that event from ladies I hadn't known before, gotten to know them. And it really was a good environment. Like you said, you guys were giving us the rundown of how to remember the proper safety rules, how to um, what to expect when we go to the blind, what the expectations were. You guys fed us delicious meals. Melissa was a great cook um, oh, yeah. as well to supplement that. And your dad was a wonderful host. Your family were <laughs> great hosts. Um, you gave great motivational talks and encouragement to the ladies. And I think almost everyone was able to get a deer in that two to three day span that you had us over down in South Georgia. And so I loved it. It was perfect weather. It wasn't too cold, too hot, yeah. um, a little too warm, I think maybe on the first day that we all hunted, <laughs> yeah. but it was, it was okay. And it was, it was beautiful setting. Cause I hadn't gone to South Georgia. Most of my visits to Georgia for hunting or outdoor experiences is usually in North Georgia with mm-hmm. a client that I've had there um, at one of the fly fishing lodges that are up in that region. And so it was totally new for me. I loved seeing it. It was as a contrast to North Georgia and it was just such a beautiful environment. And I, I'll always remember getting a first deer on the muzzleloader, um, in that platform specifically in your family's farm and all. So I think a lot of the women, I think most of the women had a great takeaway from it. And so I loved it. And and I was able to, I sent you guys a donation. I wanted to thank you guys for that. Of course. Um, I believe in the mission and I want people to support you guys because you're not just talking, you're actually putting this into action and taking new or kind of, um, relapsed or beginner advanced hunters into the field. Do you guys have any plans to expand outside of Georgia? I know it's easier to do these kind of events where, or in places that are familiar where you have resources, but do you plan to host it in different locations with partners or people you work with, or you're just going to specifically stay in Georgia? Yeah. So, um, you know, a couple of things appreciate, you know, the compliments and, and it was amazing having you down and I'm actually headed to the farm this weekend, uh, taking a couple more people and, um, I'm going to get to the processor and get your deer 
so I get it shipped back up to you. Um, appreciate that. <laughs> the, um, the question about expansion. Yes. Uh, it's definitely on our, um, uh, kind of horizon. Um, our, our, our business plan, so to say for this HRP would be to partner with, uh, so we kind of set up this year, the, the, the before HRP, right. Which is with the cook ranch, uh, and what they're doing and being able to have people that have gone through an archery course that have shown they can shoot, that are shown that they're focused can, you know, shown that they're like dedicated to doing the right thing is a great funnel for us. Um, and then we can bring them in and actually put them on a hunt. As I said, it's a target rich environment. Uh, one of the things that I've found through hunting is very, very important is being able to see the animals in the wild, uh, with a weapon in your hand, because it really changes the, uh, the, the way that you perceive that animal when there's an intention to kill it. Right. And being able to see those animals, being able to be around them, watch them move, watch how they act is, is, is really imperative to being able to develop your hunting skill. Um, and so if we can be kind of step one, you know, is the cook ranch and people like that, that are teaching people, you know, how to shoot, how to, uh, rifle, bow, muzzleloader, whatever, hunter safety, basic stuff, then we're able to take them into the field. Then what are, what's the next step, right? It's a little bit further of an advancement in the hunting, whether it's, you know, uh, elk out West or whether it's pronghorn or, you know, can really diversify into anything, but something that's a little bit more challenging that the hunter is able to take kind of two years of growth and development and put themselves into a position where they're searching out an outfitter or they're, they've got their own land that they're going to figure out how to set up, uh, you know, stands on and, and, and kill animals on their own property or, or whatever. I think it's very, um, it's very much kind of a process that we want to take people from the beginning to being a, a quote unquote finished hunter. I don't, I don't know if there's such a thing um, because you, I, I learn something every single time that I go into the woods. But if we can at least give them a strong platform in which they can develop themselves further off of, that's really our goal. Um, as you said, you created kind of some lifelong relationships. Every event that we have, um, it, it happens. And we have text threads from every single event. We have email threads where like, you know, people are still sending photos of, you know, cooking this deer that I shot, you know three years ago or two years ago or whatever. Um, and it's really cool to see that and see how people are, um, still keeping those thoughts alive. And, um, you know, I still have people reaching out like, Hey, I just started, you know, I've rifle hunting with you guys. I just started bow hunting. This is like my land. This is like a, a track, you know, that, that I bought and I'm trying to figure out how to set it up. And, and I'll even, you know, take time, go through that with them and say, look, well, here's like a funnel. I would probably look for deer here, put some cameras up here, try to figure out, you know, where your deer are moving and all that. And so, you know, it's not just kind of a one and done, like, you know, thanks for coming. Good luck. Um, I keep kind of contact with all these people. And, and I think that's something that's very, very beautiful about the outdoor industry. You know, everybody's kind of, well, not everybody, but most people are really willing to help each other um, kind of get better at it. It's true. And the fact that you guys were able to open up these opportunities for, for us and, and for others you've worked with before, I mean, it's extremely generous because people, 
I don't know if it's a problem in Georgia, but in Virginia, it's a little hard to work with landowners. Some of them don't want to open up their properties. I think they're starting to slowly shed that hesitation um, because if they're wanting to keep the hunting tradition alive, they have to recognize that maybe we can partner with nonprofits or other people and open up our ranches and farms to these individuals to keep these traditions alive. We need some management. Let's bring them on down. So I think people are starting to say, yeah, I'm not losing anything by inviting people to my house or to my property to to help us with bear or deer or hogs or something of that nature. And I I would hope other groups do replicate your efforts. And I I don't know if you guys work with the wildlife agency in Georgia in in specificity, but it'd be good if they reached out to you and and said like, hey, this is a model. They're here in our state. Um, I'm not sure if they have reached out to you in that capacity, but you guys have created something really unique and fascinating. And like I said, it's action oriented. It's not just talking. A lot of people talk like you said, in the yep. industry, and they're not impactful. And I, I I fully believe you guys are truly impactful, even just in the short amount of time I got to know you all and see your work. Um, I don't normally say that with with people I deal with, but you guys really impressed me with with the showing and, and what it does. And as someone who covers the outdoor beat, like it's so rare for me to find people who are truly doing impactful work. So you guys should know that you are uh, having your work seen and felt and appreciated by many, many people. So um, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I know you guys did a little bit with fly fishing. Do, do some of your events yep. incorporate fly fishing for veterans at times too? Yeah. So I'm glad you touched on, on the veteran thing. So we're, we're not veteran specific. We're veteran focuses. I like what I like to say. Most of the people that come, they're either veterans or they're tied to the veteran community very strongly. Um, it's something that's just important to us. And, um, yeah, we do, uh, in the spring, we do a fly fishing event. Uh, we're working on a Turkey event this spring as well. Um, which is very hard because no one wants you coming to hunt their turkeys. Um, <laughs> That's the turkey true. population kind of across the U.S. or Southeast specifically uh, has had a hard time um, recently. And, uh, you know, so people are very uh, like we don't we haven't killed a turkey on our property um, we've killed one in three years, I think. Uh, and that's by design, um, just watching the population grow, kind of managing predators and all that. But, uh, there are places that have a lot of turkeys and luckily one of the people that came on the women's hunt, uh, Caitlin, um, she is, uh, we're working together with her trying to put together a turkey hunt as well, but yeah, fly fishing, Northeast Georgia, there is some phenomenal fishing. Uh, there's wild, obviously everywhere. There are a few stocked rivers as well. And that's always very fun. Um, and, uh, the one we did, we did a day in wild and a day in the stock for people that have never fly fished before. And, uh, it was epic. That's incredible. Yeah. And I think Baker is trying to wrestle me in somehow. I don't, I don't know in what capacity I told him I could be a mentor if someone wanted to learn how to fly Mm -hmm. fish. I think I'm okay in terms of my experience level. I've helped people catch fish, but I would, I would love to help even volunteer if you guys need some mentors uh, for those individuals. Um, And so if people like what they're hearing about Hunter Recruitment Project, how can they help support you guys, get you across the line financially, um, send donations your way, collaborate with you, dish out on how people can help you guys. Yeah. So uh, kind of the easiest ways obviously are Instagram and or uh, website. So Hunter Recruitment Project, dot com on the internet and hunter recruitment project you know at hunter recruitment project uh on instagram uh we have donation page on the site um any and all donation is obviously very very much welcome and appreciated um you know we we run this thing off donations but there's also a lot of personal uh financing that goes into it as well um as you'd say it's a labor of love um you know and and we have 
companies and we have people that donate uh, stuff other than money. Um, as you, you were at the event, you know, um, kind of our, our main sponsorships come from Black Rifle, Eastman's, Everly Stock, uh, Killcliff, Mossberg, Gloopold. Um, but there's also kind of product sponsors and, and the product sponsors are, you know, like have is equal amount of importance because they create the swag bags and they kind of affect the experience, you know, where you're getting like this cool bag and it's got, you know, we had protect, um, bugs, naturals, uh, battle bars, um, build craft bought everybody a tourniquet and stuff, which is obviously very important to have out in the woods. And, and so, you know, there's, there's, there's any number of way we, we, we love, you know, any, any help is like I said, welcome and greatly appreciated. It's, uh, it's, it's, it is, is a very, uh, um, very expensive thing to do. And so anything is, is very much welcome. I will make sure everyone gets the proper links to donate to you guys. I think I'll even include some of our conversation for the overview I'm going to do of the hunt to kind of splice it with some of your musings. I think that'd be great. Okay. Um, so I'll have uh, I'll have a lot of properties to come out from the hunt still because I want to also, when you guys send over the meat, um, I'll talk about, oh, I received my meat. You know, this is so great kind yeah, of big yeah. picture thing. So I still have a video I haven't uh, failed to deliver on. That. I just want to make sure I have all digital properties. So anytime you guys need help or pushing from me, I will dispense to the appropriate people. I have a lot of connections. Hopefully a lot of people who have... Um, you know, money to be able to donate some financial support. I think people should support an effort like HRP. Um, it's needed because the state agencies just can't do enough and they need private sure. individuals and nonprofits like yours to help kind of get more people across the line, especially with so much interest in hunting now. And everyone's worried about prices of meat, how to nourish their bellies in these really expensive times with inflation. So hunting is starting to be oh, an yeah. alternative, very viable alternative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, if nothing more, just the realization that um, maybe you shouldn't put your wholehearted uh, belief in the system being able to provide for you is, is enough to at least get people interested in the event that there is something that happens. They can, you know, help take care of themselves. But, um, you know, for sure. I mean, people, I think, have lost a little bit of trust in in uh, the whole food system with with all the uh, different documentaries and whatnot coming out, looking deeper into that. So um, we like to provide an alternative. And you guys do. I really appreciate you coming on, Jamie. Thank you so much. And I will point people to Hunter Recruitment Project as best as I can going forward. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gabriella. And um, have a good afternoon and a great weekend. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.